there. My name is Avon, and this is First Drafts That Glow, a short story writing project by me. I sit down, uh, five randomly generated words or words that I get from, uh, you know, online from people that follow me or I follow online. Um, and, you know, sometimes I ask for genres. This next batch of uh, stories, I plotted out genres that I either don't feel I've done really well at yet or I haven't really approached. And today is a superhero story because the last one I tried writing was just, it was a train wreck. It was another train wreck. I can't remember the name of it right now, but I, I remember there were some things I was trying and it just, it, like there's some good ideas in there and there's some uh, potentially good characterizations in there. Like if I go back and visit it, you know, maybe I'd be able to pull something out from that and, like really make it juicy who knows um this project pushes me it it takes me to places that i didn't think i would go as a writer um you know 20 20 episodes previously and you know here we are uh episode 21 i took a little bit of a break to uh you know, work on some other things and, uh, you know, just clear my head, write a few more stories, uh, just as, uh, you know, kind of a plug and reminding you about where you can find me online. Uh, nailsthatglow.com has a couple of new pages. There is links that glow, a, uh, page that I hope to have filled up really soon. If you're part of the LGBTQ community or, uh, the, the, uh, black indigenous people of color send me your website send me a banner send me some descriptions i want to fill a page full of people like that on my website just because you know <laughs> we can we you you could do the same for me you know drop a mention of my website every now and again i don't it's like i'm not really policing it or anything like I don't want to do that I just want to have a friendly exchange and um, somebody has uh, been inspired and they're actually looking at recreating uh, this thing called a web ring if you're new to if you're newer to the internet or you're younger <laughs> uh, you know you may not know about the web rings and you know, those are really cool. You could just, you know, click next on the web ring and you would get a new random website. Sometimes it was thematically, um, you know, a similar site like a gaming site or an anime site or something like that. And other times it would just be, you know, people who submitted to the web ring, uh, members of a certain uh, like message board. It was all sorts of stuff. It was a beautiful train wreck. <laughs> um so, yeah, and uh, there's also another page on my website, Books That Glow. What is that, you ask? Well, right now it will contain three, count them, three coloring books designed by a um, somebody I care for deeply named Athens Cascade. Um, they reached out and wanted to create a coloring book. They went through a recovery journey and... During this recovery journey, they rediscovered uh, adult coloring books and found, um, as they say, a place of mindfulness, a place of calm. Um, you know, they, they said that they would color 
uh, during some of the counseling sessions uh, to keep their mind and hands busy, you know, because we all wander sometimes. And sometimes when, you know, you're, you stop drinking or doing drugs, you, 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 your hands just need to do stuff. So it's really great. It's also really great for kids um, just to disconnect from the internet, you know, flex your creative muscles. A really excellent way to disconnect from the internet. Uh, the first two books are uh, just intricate designs. Um, they're, you know, multiple types of uh, approaches to designs. Some of them are really, 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 really intricate, and some of them are a bit more, you know, open. Um, and then the third book created uh, is based on the power of five as they say and uh everything is uh five based on a five-pointed star kind of pattern um and uh, you know i thought that book looked really beautiful too um you can find a link on nailsthatglow.com books that glow it'll take you to the page to uh check them out you know please you know if you have anybody in your life a child a family room uh, or you're just looking for a fun gift to give somebody, you know, the the books are really great. I think I have one here. I should have gotten it ready. Here's uh, the second one. It's pretty great, right? Like, it, it's a little larger than most coloring books. And, um, you know, some they're all one-sided pages and everything. It's just, it's pretty great. I love this. Um where, where was it? I should have bookmarked this. This is crazy. The One of my favorite designs in here. Was it towards the front? Uh, you know, <laughs> I think it was towards the front. Um, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Ah, oh, look at that. Isn't that neat? Oh my goodness. I can't wait to color that. Like, <laughs> it's great. Anyways, enough of the... Uh, self-promotion you know this this uh project doesn't have um commercials doesn't have sponsors um so that's my ad read i think that's fair you know go visit my website and also there will be a new episode for abstractions at glow you can find that uh, most places you find uh podcasts um there's also a link to it on you know nailsatglow.com and that's uh, under A-T-G. Because abstractions at glow would it, it Yeah, anyways. <laughs> okay, swipe to unlock. Okay, there we go. So, again, today's story is a superhero story. Um, the words that I based this on were really different. I mean, and one of the words actually made me think of um, something else that I like, Red Dwarf. Um, you know, the main character, Lister, uh, he's a smeghead. He's the last human alive, and um, he, he, the only company he has is, <laughs> is a goofy robot android, uh, a hologram of his dead bunkmate, and this cat that evolved into a humanoid um and 
they just nobody it's just uh, for a short time his he had his girlfriend with him but she she couldn't take him being you know living in arrested development anyways go watch red dwarf it's a wonderful show there are even some books i highly recommend um the two creators are now going to be creating different timelines and everything so that'll be fun and i think some of that bled into uh what i was writing here there's none of the uh, uh storyline from that show in here like that would be like just straight up plagiarism and i'm not about that but there is some inspiration there is some fuckery um that also happens in that show but it also happens in Heinlein novels and comic books and all over the place so you know I'm just dipping into a pool that you know we all play in uh, but I, hopefully you really enjoy the direction I go for it here um, so this is my superhero story Lister System a first draft set glow story by me all right you ready yeah. okay Recently, there was a special documentary made explaining the existence of other realities and how hopping from one, one to another would be a bad idea. It is only one person, or there is only one person that ever had an ability to slip into other dimensions at a time. At the time. <laughs> See, this is why we're here. It has already started. Uh, the documentary covered that. Something about the impossible combination of elements that grant such a skill. The last person that could... There can be only one person that ever has the ability to slip into other dimensions at a time. There. <laughs> the documentary covered that. Something about the impossible combination of elements that grant such a skill. The last person that could visit other realities was alive before any kind of recording devices. Most of his writings were thought of as fantasy. Who actually could believe he visited another world? A world filled with people with none of the abilities so many of us have? Entire planets filled with people unable to fly, carry elephants, or have a natural resistance to radiation? How do they even survive without people like us? This documentary proved all of the stories of those claiming to slip between the folds of space. Video recorded in these worlds with sound and there was so much of it. One world filled with humans that never developed any form of technology outside of Stone Age tools. There is a world where dinosaurs never went extinct, but they shrank as the oxygen levels, <laughs> levels decreased. Smaller human-like creatures living with medieval technology in that world. One of the documentary, one aspect of the documentary focused on the, one aspect, the, <laughs> one aspect the documentary focused on the most was almost a direct copy. Was a world that was almost a direct copy of ours, similar events, evolution, and similar social and technological developments, entirely without any of the powers of our world. The absolute impossibility that someone without the ability to manipulate photons could conceive of the dual state of light. How improbable would it be that somebody unable to manipulate gravitons could fully understand time and space flight? 
the scientist hosting the documentary says that these people have a more developed level of problem solving, something we lack. We never needed to evolve those qualities. Since the start of human communities, we have had demigods. They are all... They are, they are small numbers of bloodlines and the occasional birth that have no gifts. These days, many of them go for cybernetic implants or, in, or invest in a power suit. Some of the fiction they produced in that world is oddly similar to our world. The main difference is we do not dress in pajamas and give ourselves odd names. They are called superheroes in that world. They dream of a world like ours but the perceptions they have are violent and very cruel. One possible reason why they never evolve powers like us, according to the host, if we had those kinds of problems that they write about in that world, we would have destroyed ourselves before getting out of the caves. Still, makes one think about things. A world where people have no abilities or enhancements, and they still live happy and fulfilling lives? None of the problems of needing to register every ability and skill and being restricted from some places because you might produce static or project a holographic image to communicate, giving people motion sickness. The bigotry against people that can fly and those that are physically perfect is tangible. We were just born like this. And the other world, there is prejudice against people due to skin color and spiritual beliefs. How inane. They might think the same of us. I fly, have an ability to survive extreme conditions, and I can go without air or food for a month or more. My review before leaving school was quite grueling. They test everyone's limits and the range of their abilities. Most of us just know what we are capable of. Some of us have such, a subtle, have such subtle abilities that other tests are required. My best friend still has PTSD from some of the tests. She is able to eat anything and gain nutrition. Even poisons and substances with no food value, like straight-up sand or dust. The things they made her eat to test her limits even made me cringe. Well, they put me in orbit. Once they tested me in a lab situation showing that I could survive extreme pressure and vacuum, they decided a practical test was required before signing off on my work permits. I was in orbit for five weeks. They gave me a gauntlet with a keyboard and a small display for communication. The suit I wore would take care of waste and I could fold out parts of it to make a tent-like enclosure that would block out the sun for when I wanted to sleep. I wore a special headset that allowed me to listen to music and movies by a sticky patch I would place behind my ears. I was given one ration and two bottles of water. I was told to only consume these if I felt like I was dying. Once I, get, you, once I got used to the feeling of being in orbit and being unable to control my flying abilities due to a chip they put in my sinus cavity, it was very relaxing. The last day on that fifth week, I woke up so thirsty and hungry, I almost didn't open the ration fully and chewed some of the foil. The water was ice, and I was so impatient for the small heat pad to get hot enough to melt it. 
I tried biting the container until warm water started filtering through the straw. I was so disoriented and confused for days after. I was told I might should never push it to five weeks like that again. But I could go four weeks without air or food. That was really cool. Also finding out I was able to drift in space without needing a functioning suit. That's a plus. Since I've been working for the space program, testing out various modules, trying to perfect a craft that we can get a few dozen people to Mars with a near zero risk factor. That's an awkward sentence. I'm sorry. Since I could just eject from the, since I could, if needed, just eject from the craft and fly myself back to Earth if something went wrong. I was an ideal test pilot. Did I mention flying in space was strange? It's like swimming in a chunky jam. I sometimes have to climb over various waves of radiation or photon concentrations. The team I work with said radiation in light wouldn't be something I would feel like that. The fuck would they know? I'm the one out there flying through it all. It has been nearly 10 years since I started working with the space program. Today, I will be joining two dozen people on a craft to Mars. I've been there twice. First time, I flagged a bit of the planet best for habitation pods, and the second, I set up a few robots and built a landing pad and two habitation pods. This will be the last time I'm on Earth for the next 10 years or so. We are tasked to start setting up tunnels and building in canyons for colonies. Mining companies are also deeply invested in setting up shop in orbit, starting a relay system from the asteroid belt to Earth and back. Our world is moving pretty quickly into space. All of the worlds I saw in the documentary, none of them were even close to what we are doing now. Except for the one world. Something about them unnerved me. They had bombs that produced extraordinary radiation and viral infections that could kill billions. We just have a few people that live in gold-plated homes that emit radiation. They are all delightful people. Lonely, but still delightful. Thinking of one of them being used as a weapon of fear is simply horrifying. Since it is my last day on the planet for a while, I was ready to write something to my loved ones leaving them all my love and hopes for all of them. The things that I experienced that brought me to this day to be shared only with them. Every other communication would be public after this. Until I came back. That changed this morning. I'm not sure what the future will bring. I'm still getting on the ship and going to Mars. But I am doing that because I'm afraid. Earth might die before I come back. Since there is no way to prove any of this before the flight, I need to hope that we can manage on Mars with what we have up there right now. If I start a panic before we leave, we may never get a chance to launch and then all of mankind in this reality will be gone. Some of us have to survive. The first thing I do every morning is put in my contacts and throw up a HUD showing news and communication. I'll read and watch while I exercise, clean, eat, and dress. Today, someone had hacked my system. Everything was gone. All of my messages 
save sites, all the way down to my preferences. It was not ju it was not disturbing at first. Normal. When a new patch or security update, everything would reload, sometimes completely reset. The only thing that loaded was one video. The Reality Hopper. The documentary had her listed as Diane Lister. She introduced herself as Lister. I kept wondering if her name was a reference to a plow or a trident, like a fish spear. The video stopped and started from the beginning a few times, like it might if the internet data point kept resetting. I almost took out the lens as I dug around my living room for a pad. The video stopped me as she used my name. My full name. See, you just know me as Wade. Just Wade. My full name, like many other high-profile people, was kept out of the public cycle. My call sign when in space or in the field was Bear. Eventually, most news sources called me Wade Bear. I always liked it, so I left it. My full name is Wade Harris Price. You would have to dig deep to find that out. My parents and extended family would have been hounded to no end if the news knew who to bother. Lister used my full name, and she had my attention. Wade Harris Price, she started, followed by a long pause. I am Lister. I know you watched the documentary about my travels. Your entire life is up here. She points to her head, her fingertip vanishing in the thick black hair and of tight curls. In addition to slipping between worlds, I have a perfect memory. I'm telling you this because I fucked up and I need your help. After I listened to her message, I got dressed and tossed myself out of the bay window into the familiar airstream zipping by my building at all times. Starting in Seattle, Washington, I needed to get to France with a quickness. I loaded my HUD with the destination and set my flight path. Keeping, keeping, on the HUD displayed, uh, <laughs> keeping on the HUD displayed path was very easy. I could then think about the rest of the task. I needed to get to the building Lister used as her home base. I had to grab her and leave as fast as possible. I needed to do this very fast before she was done with what they were preparing her for. Halfway over the Atlantic, I got a ping from the Major. Well, boss, but he liked to be called Major. Said he earned it in the Air Force. The message was wondering why I was not in the hospital getting my once-over and clearance for the flight. As I approached the descent to Europe, I quickly replied I would be back soon and not to worry. Thankfully, they had not installed the transponder chip in me yet. I wanted that that to be day of. <laughs> I wasn't thrilled with them tracking all of my movements until absolutely needed. Major replied with the angry emoji followed by a thumbs up. We had an understanding and he trusted me. But this? Nobody would want to believe this. It was enough time before making landfall that I was able to review the message again. Lister explained everything in such a way that, even if I wanted, I could not second-guess her. The idea she would even make something like this up, like this, 
make up something like this was not in the scope of any rational person. I pushed myself harder than I had since I was a teen. I felt my nose get that copper wetness. I may be tough, but the laws of the universe would still get to me. Pushing to a few g-forces did not bother the outside of my body, but the vibrations in my skull and chest were <laughs> uncomfortable. I had to get to her faster than I was moving. She gave me the location in detail, the precise map points, the height of the building, the thickness of the window, the angle I need to approach from, and the range of speed that would work to keep the cameras from getting a good look at me and force her from the seat should, uh, should, we, should she be strapped in. As I saw the shoreline come into focus, I was reminded about the one date I went on since starting work. They were very nice, but it confirmed that romance and sex were just not important to me. Ace all around, and they were unhappy with me. I hadn't been back to France since. It was just upsetting to have someone reject me because I just wanted friendship. Frustrating how hard it is to find friends that are able to understand the, this lack of desire to connect in that way. Constantly trying to set you up on dates or introduce you to someone they think might break that wall. Lister was aromantic and asexual like me. Her profile in the documentary was really unfair to her when the narrator said she lived with her work as her partner. People are rude and clueless at times. The building she was in stood out in the cluster. There were five of them in a horseshoe, each a different color, each with a different color strip in the center and on the top. Looked like an looked like a eight bit rainbow from above. Lister was in the green building. Forty floors up, center room, might be strapped to a recliner like chair with a robot preparing her for an implant. Turning myself into an arrow, I raised my forearms over my head, crashing through the glass. I zipped down the hallway and burst into the center room, pulling Lister free from the chair with a sharp tug. I could hear her shoulder pop as the robot lost grip of her arm when it saw me reach for her. She made a noise people do not generally make. Almost impossible to describe other than shocking pain. I flew out the window... I crashed. I flew out the window I'd crashed in on, then took us as high as a normal person could go before passing out. She mentioned to she mentioned her. She mo <laughs> This is why we're here. She motioned motioned to her shoulder, nodding. I wrapped her legs around my waist, moved her torso away from me slightly, then grabbed her arm hanging loose, and then and grabbed her arm that was hanging loose, then popped the shoulder back into place with a twisting motion. She passed out as I flew lower over the Atlantic. I rolled to my back, keeping her firmly over my torso, the HUD display giving me a pass to follow to her yacht. Her yacht was staffed entirely by robots. The landing deck had a giant beanbag on it. I flew down to it, gently landing her on the giant pillow before setting down myself. It was only a few minutes before she was up again and sniffing from a ruddy nose and tears from the physical pain. We had the robots look us over and judge we were not seriously harmed. Lister was given a sling for her arm. 
okay. Now tell me why you are going to blow up our world, I asked her. It's not me. It is the me from other from another place. Her eyes looking for something in mine. She is insane and has destroyed dozens of other Earths. So she slides into a new world and does what precisely? Motioning to a robot, she tells it to bring her three bottles of wine and a cheese plate. Okay, so she built a machine using the brain of another me that visited her over 20 years ago. Now, if you have never seen a picture of Lister, she's not even 30. She must, see the confu she must have seen the confusion in my face. You see, the passage of time, you see, she said, the passage of time in other worlds is not universal. In her world, they are what we might think of as nearly 25 years from now. She tells the robot to leave the entire tray and make sure all of the bots are charged. Sometimes, she runs into a world that we are not born yet, or all, or at all. She likes to think those are possibly worthy of survival. Alas, they never are. A few slips of wine and some cheese pause us both. She looks me over before continuing. Why did you believe me? Honestly, I'm still trying to process it all. I look into her dark, nearly midnight brown eyes, her skin just slightly lighter than her eyes. All framed by her hair, she has no patience to tame, it seemed. She did not have the energy or sarcasm you often find in someone selling you a bridge. I have no real idea. I just felt compelled to take you at your word. If there is even a small chance you are right, I would forever hate myself if I was on Mars and did nothing to help the Earth from turning into a cinder. So you just risked everything on a gut feeling? I drink an entire glass full of wine, fill it again, and drain that. I swallow slightly wrong and start coughing. Lister laughs, is a little, laughs a little before doing the same with her sip. We both desperately try to control our cough, forgetting that it just needs to happen. After an awkward moment, we both sil silently eat some grapes. After another few moments of being sure I would not cough up my lungs, we both tried to talk at the same time. Sorry, she said. Go ahead. Um, a gut feeling. Yes, something told me this was the right thing to do. You called me by my proper name. Only my parents and my grade school teachers have ever done that. Not even the major calls me anything but Wade. Nothing else? Not romantic or anything? I nearly gagged on the melon I was chewing on. Uh, no. I'm ace on both sexuality and romance. I'm honestly not sure why. It just felt right. I'm glad I will not have to go through an awkward point in this conversation. I'm a lot like you. She eats some more and she eats some more just as she starts to say something else, stopping herself in a way a commercial does when not synced right. Jarring and unexpected. I'm confused. Are you saying you expected me to be interested in you romantically? Well, you see, we're married in the other in the world the other me comes from. 
Um, hold on. Oh, I see what I did. <laughs> Periods are important, kids. Punctuation for your writing, very important. So I'll start that over. We're married in the world the other me comes from. Well, we're married. Looking down, Lister gets up, walking to the back of the yacht. Following, I flag a robot to carry the tray and to follow me. Okay, Lister. If this were some kind of soap opera, I would understand the dramatic thing you just did. But honestly, you know I have a flight in about eight hours. If there's something I can do, tell me. Okay, well, you know, people like me have memories that cross between worlds like dreams. Sometimes if we go to a world and meet our other self, something connects. And we share memories and random thoughts. It's all chaos. Excuse me. It's all chaos and nothing coherent most of the time. She looks like she's crying, but then her face turns into laughter. Looking at me, she sighs, and as she looks up to the sky, yelling. After a moment, she sits on the deck, motioning me to sit with her. I've never wanted anything other than friendship from another person. I tried sex once when I was still living in Senegal. The girl was a classmate, and we had been friends since we started school. It was an empty experience for me. I couldn't return her love, and I found it was not something I really wanted in my life anyways. She, she takes my hand. I know you understand, but there is a wrinkle. She looks over my hand, traces the contours and shape. I've not even been touched like th I've, n I've never been touched like this. Only held hands with my mom and sisters. It was not uncomfortable, but it was strange. She seemed to know what I was thinking, like an empath would. The wrinkle is, I, I have memories of loving you. I have thoughts that are alien to me and make me uncomfortable. They're all because of her. She lost the love of her life and it burns deep inside her. It motivates her. It pushes her. It is what she uses to convince the other versions of me to help her. I twisted, I twisted in my mind trying to understand. So you reached out to me because of some otherworldly relationship? <sighs> yes, she sighs heavily. Something told me you would help. It was easy to find you because of the Mars mission. Something inside me knows you will not sacrifice going to Mars. It is what you have been working for. I could get you to help me, distract the other me long enough to stop her, long enough to save the world, long enough to make sure that there is an Earth for you to come back to. I thought about it, and a realization hit me. Am I being affected by this crossover? I stood up, taking a step back. Are you somehow influencing me with memories of other versions of myself? I don't think I'm doing it. I think it is happening because she is holding a connection between her world and ours. I think she keeps trying to find a version of you that matches the one she knew. She won't accept that that's likely impossible. It just 
feel, it just felt right to ask for your help. I knew you would believe me and come help me. Standing to move in front of me. If we can do this, we can save our world and kill her. What the fuck? Kill? Listen. Hold on. Kill? I know I went Casper White on her. I'm not going to kill anyone. I figured I'll do it. I've had many dreams and memories of doing it. It's almost as if I've actually done it. I should be able to do it, she says, looking down. All right, if we stop her, then it's over, right? I get an acidic taste in my mouth. Leaning over the rail, I reintroduce my mouth and nose to the wine, cheese, and fruit I just consumed. The burn of it gets into my eyes, making making them water. Standing back up, one of the robots hands me a heated towel. Patting my face clean, I begin to feel embarrassed. I've never been sick on a boat or anything that moves before. I, I just can't see why we need to kill her. Well, once one of my kind finds a world, it becomes like an address we have memorized and somehow uh and <laughs> it's like an address we've memorized and how to get there it is possible it is impossible for me to forget one of the worlds i have been to i have been to a few hundred and can recall the smell taste texture or thought that makes me open the path to that world in an instant she looks off at the horizon and folds out of sight. I saw this on the documentary. When she goes to another reality, the best our minds can do is translate what is happening as her folding into the scenery and vanishing. There's a smell of sage and clove, some kind of afterproduct of the movement between worlds. I watched the spot she vanished from, few moments later, she folds back into the space in front of me, holding two long yellow items. These are bananas. They have never existed on some worlds. It is one of the few foods that does not grow on all the earths. Try it. Handing one to me, I watch her pinch the nub end and open and peel it down, revealing an off-white interior. She happily bites down on it, meant motioning me to do the same. I squeeze too hard at the top. The small, the, small, the small handle part at the bottom not being big enough to steady the process, I squeeze that too hard as well. The entire thing bursts out of random seams. Lister laughs, finishing hers and tossing the yellow skin into the ocean. I eat some of what comes out in, the, in a mash. The flavor is light, the texture is like soft tofu and gel, with a bit of a sweetness. A very curious food. All I did is remember the look and texture of the skin of this food, and I went there. She can do the same for here any time she wants. We could possibly stop her for a day or two, but she'll just try to come back again. And nobody would help me because she will know if I, she'll know if I go to anyone else. Okay, well, how can you get away with coming to me then? 
My hands start to feel sticky as another warm towel shows up. Well, you are a blind spot of sorts. She has so many other worlds worth of memories about you. Any flash you might get from me talking to you could be a memory from another me. <sighs> okay, I think I'm hearing you on FM. What? Lister says with a look only people that have never heard radio broadcasts would say. I'm five by five. What is the plan? The plan, she told me, was simple and elegant. Only one thing could go wrong, and I had to focus to make sure it didn't. Lister warned me that the closer I get to the other version of her, the more confused I would become. The after-effects of the versions of me having died behind her like, like the wake of a boat. I would begin to hear them in my head. We had to act fast, and I needed to get get to the base before I got military police after me. And I needed to get back to the base before I got military police after me. See, this is why we're here, you know. <laughs> Lister told me to take a nap and to stuff myself with sugar right after waking up. Something about the effects on the brain would help. It made no sense to me. When we were ready, she sent the location to my HUD. I had been snoozing the dozens of I had been snoozing the dozens of messages and calls from the major and some of my team. I quickly sent a message explaining I was doing some last moment earth only kind of things and I would be there soon. I suppose that worked because the alert icon stopped popping up every few moments. The location was a part of the African continent in a town in Ethiopia called Araba Minich. You know, I. <laughs> Arba. Arba Minich. There we go. Arba Minich. It had a university Lister attended, something that was a consistent for most versions of her. There was a small building near the main campus designed originally for the medical students then converted into an extra-dimensional research facility when Lister manifested her powers at, while at school. We would find the other her there. <laughs> I could not fly as fast or efficient while carrying Lister. She wore a face shield and a winter coat that reached to her knees. She was still shivering in the crisp air at the altitude we were at. I warned her it would take longer if we flew at a level she would be warmer at. She tried to convince me I did not understand flight before realizing I've been flying since I was a kid and just accepted my suggestions. I wish we would have had met I wish we would have <laughs> I wish we would have met years ago. I could not be sure, but we got along really well. We appeared to understand the other without much frustration. It is still unclear to me if this, is, if this was all an effect of the empathic waves of thoughts and memories. I have to think no. Those thoughts and memories were of other people. The things I thought were more like a well-known movie or book to me. The way she explained it, I felt she had a harder time separating the memories and felt conflicted more than I more blah, blah, more than I did. Still, even through all of this, we had a shorthand 
and a mutual respect. I still feel connected to her, still want to be her friend, and know she's not in need. Even if, well, I'll get there. She made me swing around to the airport, a bit down the road from the university. She wanted to approach the building from ground level. Arriving from above, she might use one of the many weapons at her disposal. Somehow, she knew the other her would not expect a direct approach. Drawing a simple map on some scrap paper, she detailed the approach. I started to notice the heat. It wasn't Florida or California heat. It felt like angry heat in place of the soup of the swamps. It could have been the flood it could have been the flood of thoughts and the surreal nature of it all, but I was uncomfortable. Me, a guy that can float in space without needing to breathe or wear a suit, was uncomfortable in the mild heat mild heat of east of an East African country. I think it was the first time I was bothered by such a thing. There was a memory in my head about being in New Orleans in the summer, walking in the Garden District, being shown the house some writer of vampire fiction lived in. The dog in the yard seemed to pose for pictures through the gate. I remembered being bothered by how much I was sweating from my forehead, cursing, throwing my hat at a girl, showing her body off because she asked for it. Lister snapped her fingers under my nose. You with me? What? Yeah, I'm I, just a little confused. I got the details. I was lost in a memory or something. I, it's something I never experienced. Who is Anne Rice? I looked up and felt a drip of sweat fall off my nose. I went to wipe it, and it was dry. What the fuck? I told you, she said. It is going to get confusing for you. You must focus here. Focus on what you can actually see and touch. If you fail to separate it all, you will die like the rest of us. I smile in the way my comrades often said was an unnerving image of a fleshy puppet. Well, if it is death or glory, let's shoot for survival. Okay, freak, she snorts a laugh. The people at the airport seemed to know something was wrong in general. Not only did they ignore one of the few pale people flying in from the north, but they seemed to not be running any flights. I then, I then realized I had not seen a single plane, aircraft, or other flyer in the sky since I left the apartment this morning. You can't go anywhere with a clear sky these days. You have to pay good money to visit a daylight orbital to get a clear view of space and the, to get a clear view of space and the sky. Still, you would see the frequent flyer like myself or a low-orbit low craft making the rise and dive for intercontinental flights. After I went over the plan with Lister, I asked her if she noticed the same or if the memories were messing with my recall. I think you're right. The connection between worlds is supposed to happen in moments like you saw on the boat. Her keeping the connection open could be making some of the instruments used by planes and some flyers impossible, so everything might have been grounded last night. 
She noticed I was about to ask or somehow knew, adding, You are connected to all of this, so whatever is messing with everyone else, you're exempt from it. I started to understand that her reaching out to me had to happen, and anything that seemed impossible, improbable, or just surreal was how this was supposed to work. There is very little about this kind of thing. There is very... There is very little known about this kind of thing. We have a few kinds of flyers. We understand them. Some people that appear to defy the laws of motion and sensory limitations. Stuff that would be thought of as supernatural and was in our past. We have scientific explanations for everything all of us can do, even if what we do cracks physics slightly. We are finding that we are finding that truth. Crossing into entirely new universes with their own rules and elements is well out of the range of feeling safe that we understand. I suppose that if everything turned out well, Lister might be able to use her big brain to crack some of that mystery, and my helping her would be worth every every headache-worthy conversation I would have when I got to the base. Besides, I wanted a I wanted a planet to come back to. Lister was going to help me make sure that would be a reality. Right around now, I did feel there was something she was not telling me. I had memories floating in my head of seeing the sky unravel. There was a flash of the planet breaking up as the sun turned into a void of blackness in the distance as it pulled everything into spaghetti. I could taste the copper in the rain of blood and the dried-out ocean floor of the Pacific followed by a roar of water returning. These images and sensations collided as I and receded as if they were soft shoreline waters. Lister gets me to focus again and tells me it's time. She got on my back, wrapping herself on me like a koala bear. I bit down on the inside of my cheek. I had... I had not a... I had not a memory of that, and any thought would be good. And <laughs> okay, I had no memory of that, and thought it would be a good way to stay grounded. I began to float a foot off the ground, and joined the traffic of cars. A kid in the SUV ahead of us waved and laughed. I imagine he was wondering why a flyer was on road level. Generally, only see drunk or injured flyers this slow. Lister kept going over the highlights of the plan as we passed the main entrance before the smaller drive into the building we were heading for. As I turned off the maiden road, I froze. A million unique images of Lister washed through my mind. Something of them were just us talking. Some were of us holding one another. Many of were us in bed. Then the images of her killing me over and over in a new in new and cruel ways pulled me to the ground. I felt the stab wound in my gut, the bullet enter my neck, the melting of flesh from drain cleaner being poured on me. I felt myself catch fire, unable to move as I was wrapped in melting nylon rope. It hurt. All of it hurt. The physical pain was tangible. It was all happening at once. Each one mixed into another while remaining distinctive. 
It was months, years, a decade of torment and torture before the emotional pain started to be realized. How could she do this to me? I thought. I thought she loved me. Who could be so unforgivingly cruel? What kind of pain must a person feel to want to give that pain to another? This felt extreme and elements of movies when the writers want to get the crowd watching to be shocked by what they see without giving any real reason for the vicissitude of it all. This was a child being given living things and not knowing what pain really was. What death meant to the creatures or to themselves. Seeing the animals cry out and squirm and celebrate that another thing knows what power you have over them and others like them. Holding a magnifying glass over ants as the sun focused. Every nightmare all at once. I have no idea how long it actually was. I saw I ruined my right hand scratching at the asphalt. I felt a small lump on my head. I faintly heard Lister tell me I kept trying to get up and fell over a few times. For me to take a breath and to take a breath in on a count of four, hold for four, and then exhale for four. She repeated this until her voice rang on top of the experiences in my head. I started to breathe as she dis as she described. She did it with me twice, a third time. Slowly, everything started to calm down. My head felt heavy, filled with marbles or handful, handfuls of semi-precious stones clanging due to the irregular shapes. I could see her clearly. The time of pain and suffering. She didn't look any older. How long? I said meekly. Wait, you've been here for all of three minutes. Keep breathing in and out in the pattern of four. Looking up at her, I was sure she was gaslighting me. Three, three, three minutes? I could feel the hoarseness in my voice. It felt sore and scratched. That, oh my God, I, I can't do this. We must. She takes my face with both her hands. You just have to fly me there in one speedy rush. You know the plan. Stick to it. Once we put her down, everything will clear up very fast. Nodding as I kneel, she gets on my back. Leaning into my right ear, she says, Let's go. I focus on speed and distance. I had to burst close, drop Lister, then burst forward in front of the Mad Bomber. Lemon squeezy. Raising off the ground, I burst forward, stopping just short of the building. The distance would have taken five minutes to walk, and I closed it in ten seconds. I roll in the air, letting Lister drop off, running to the other side of the building, then burst forward again, crashing through the door. What I was looking at could take a million artists a million years to get all of the details down, and they would still miss some. How I saw Lister fold into the world in moments and then unfold was unnerving enough. Something about that, something about that the brain refuses to fully grasp. It simply can't be. Against the wall with doors going deeper into the building was a woman, 
sitting within a storm of impossible shapes and sounds. It looked like an older Lister. Her skin was deeper and darker, matching the black that remained in her hair. This Lister had long, tightly woven dreadlocks, some of them entirely gray and some a mix of black and gray. She wore a garment I couldn't name. It fit like a suit, yet had feminine qualities. The sleeves were wide, stopping halfway down her forearms. On her left forearm was a glass and metal gauntlet. There were neon highlights accenting what looked like brain matter in the window-like glass accents. A number of wires from the end of it, from the end closest to the elbow, uh, a number of wires from the end closest to the elbow, okay, this, this sentence doesn't make sense, so I'm going to try to rewrite it right now. The numbers of wires extending from the gauntlet reached up to her left ear, vanishing, I suspect, also into the back of her neck. The space around her folding endlessly. Space was moving, showing items existing near and around her for moments before vanishing out of existence in a blink and some slower. The smell of sage and clove was strong. Excuse me. There was also the smell of burning hair and flesh, a smell of wood burn and acrid foulness of plastic and rubber smoldering. I noticed a small device in her nostrils with black tubes looking like they inserted into her cheeks. She looked ahead, didn't blink. Her breath was shallow and very slow. I was not sure she could see me or notice me. This required me to get her attention. I had to stand before her. The moment I decided it was my task to get her attention, she looked at me without moving any part of herself. No head movement, no eye movement. Her body didn't turn towards me. Still, she was looking at me. I had a memory of her giving birth to our child. How happy we both were, arguing if we would call her a Christian name or something ancestral remembering that it did not matter because the terrorist bombing went horribly wrong and destroyed the hospital in place of the Capitol building it was targeting, the maternity ward taking the brunt of the explosion, the two of them only sustaining minor injuries. He remembered her blaming him for staying in New York after the Catholic and Protestant factions got violent, the reasons he wanted to stay because of his family and believing in the talks between Ireland and the Principality of New York would end up without violence. Seeing another version of his wife in the living room, how they became friends, and then how his wife slaughtered her and built a device to find her child. He remembers this isn't about him. It's about the child. He was secondary. How did Lister get it so wrong? Did she even know? She knew, but I did not let her tell you, the old li older Lister says from her seated position. I am nearly ready to pull a comet from another reality to slam into this one. You will die shortly. So will she. Wade shakes his head as he notices he is now in front of the seated woman. I... 
I thought this was about finding another me. It is, in a way, both. I want my husband back. I want him to not be afraid of me. I want him to touch me and love me like he once did. I also want my baby. The explosion complicated my recovery from birth. I can't have children. As she spoke, the room vibrated. She was still a stone, but still moved with energy and spoke softly and firmly. The folding of realities made these con contradictions possible. Bits of the world around her face and hands showed the changes as the core of her was still. You're a monster. Every version of me will remember what you have done, just like I am right now. I see you for the corrupted being you are. I noticed I was just like her. I was not moving, but different parts of me were on their own through folds that spread around me. I will find you. I will find a you that cannot hear the past. A you that will love me and raise her child with me. The end of the sentence fades before the sound making up, making up me finishes. Have you looked at yourself recently? You're an old woman. I take one step forward. The movement was what I imagine walking through Tar to be like. Sure, twenty-some-odd years is not long, but you look like you've been doing this for much, much longer. I swear I saw her head tilt from the stillness, her left arm twitching slightly as a right hand from another reality appears, typing something into the keypad. Her body seems to shift in the chair she's in. The room vibrates like, like the time she spoke with no words. Then it comes again. I can see your mouth moving slightly. You are not wrong. I've been doing this for 300 years, not 25. Well, why are you continuing this then? I s continue to walk closer. I see one version of her right hand signal, sing, signal, <laughs> signal me to stop walking. Another version waves me closer. I see a deep breath. In 7,000 worlds, I have looked upon, and the thousand I have destroyed, not one of you ever asked me. No version of you, but this one has asked me why I continue. Why do you ask? I began to have more awareness of my actual self and maintained a slow walk towards her. I have no idea. I've never felt like I was in love. I never wanted to be romantic with anyone. All I ever wanted was friendship and community. Kids, partner, or the life that that brings is nothing I've ever wanted. I can't really claim to relate to your loss. But I can guess that if I lost someone that I honestly loved, there would be no replacement for them anywhere. The me of this world is like you. Neither of the me of this world is like you. Neither of you want anything I wanted. You are a distraction. I must erase your world. It serves me not, she says. So you can't see another way to live, so so you can't see another way to live, so you just keep going destroying, I say. Overtly simple, but yes.
I was not sure until that, that this point that she had to die. I think she lost whatever made her human a long time ago. She either went insane or stopped being a person when she strapped the brain gauntlet on. I can't know for sure. None of us can. This is when I had her total attention. Her eyes actually moved to look at me. Not a folding version. The eyes of the person sitting in the chair. The whites of her eyes were red. There was an empty gaze. She was looking through me, not at me. I started to reach out to touch her. From behind the chair, the lister of this world jumped, in, jumped to a standing position, slicing the sitting lister's throat. I hear what I think was her saying, thank you. Just as the room started to fold into normal space, Lister grabs at the left arm, pulling the gauntlet towards her, the body of the elder Lister fading into folds. Lister begins to yell, yes, 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 as I watch her begin to fit the gauntlet on her own arm. What are you doing? I scream at her over the rising static noise of the chaotic folding around us. Stupid. The power I will have access to is the kind creator gods have. I, I can't let you do this, I yell back at her. She begins to laugh as she binds the gauntlet securely. I had no idea how much time I would have before she connected to the device, the, the device to her completely. I had to weigh my options. I did the only thing I could think of. I grabbed her by her left arm and shot straight up. The folding space made the ceiling almost intangible. She was not able to compose herself as I forced myself to boom past the sound barrier only a few hundred feet up. I saw blood run from her eyes and ears as I ascended. The gauntlet had some kind of pins on the, unders on the underside. I had noticed them insert into her arm. This thing would not slip off even with one strap done. I could hear, I could, I could hear new memories. I felt her reaching out to another world but she couldn't focus. It would start and end almost as fast. I felt like giving up and just dropping her. I argued with myself, saying she might compose herself in time and fold away only to return to end me and this realm. Just outside the atmosphere, I spun like a top until she slid out of the gauntlet. I saw the tear in her forearm, the pain look on her face from a mix of pain, panic, and shock. As she spun into space with her body growing a sheen of ice on it, I did an internal sigh. I looked at the gauntlet. I began to think about this being possibly the only kind version of Lister there might have been. How sorry I felt for her. I had a memory of being best friends with Lister, game nights, going to movies, and spending time with our married friends. A Lister that was my bestie, and she was killed because she was not expecting another her to be cruel and petty. A small voice in my head asked me to throw the gauntlet to the planet, letting it burn up. It wanted to stop existing. So, there you go. I'm off to Mars, and you're going to doubt every word of this. People will assume Lister just folded away into the multiverse and there's literally no evidence of anything I said because, of course, there isn't. I fully expect one of the shadow groups, I fully expect 
expect one of the shadow groups would suppress this, might suppress this. The idea there is a multiverse that may bring a destroyer randomly to our doorstep. That's the kind of thing Satra would have thought was funny. Wade. What'd you think? I like this story. Um, outside of some of the, uh, you know, rough uh, dialogue bits and description bits, um, you know, Wade, you know, just wanting to get this done so he can get to Mars, but also not wanting to go to Mars until he's sure that, you know, there's likely to be a planet, but still being afraid that another Lister might show up to destroy Earth. I mean, that's that's some existential dread right there, right? And I wanted to do superhero, but I also didn't want to do, like, um, you know, uh, bubblegum superhero. You know, and there's nothing wrong with the, um, you know, ridiculousness of you know, Supergirl or Superman, you know, Batman is just, it's insane. Like it is, but I love Batman. I love comic books. I love the stories they tell. I love the, the modern mythology of it all. Um, but I did want to tell a superhero story that was, uh, you know, more based on, you know, this, this ridiculousness of the cosmos kind of thing um you know we're all just people and you know in another world we might be a right shit you know we'd like to think we're good people but you know if we had the opportunity if we had certain powers if we had certain access what would that do to us you know the whole idea of you know uh, absolute power corrupting absolutely. I don't think that's entirely true. I think it depends on the kind of power and the kind of opportunities you get from that power. So like, um, you know, let, let's let's just say the, the asshole that owns Amazon, you know, I mean, dude, you know you're an asshole. Like, you have more money than you'll ever be able to spend. Your great-great-great-great-grandchildren will never be able to spend all that money. And you don't use it for anything useful. Like, you could literally solve hunger. <laughs> I mean, you could. You could literally pay colleges to not charge tuition by just paying you know, the, the the salaries of everybody that works in universities and just be like, you know, do your fucking work and let people learn. But the proletariat being educated, that wouldn't be fun, would it? Because then somebody else might be able to make as much money as you have. <sighs> Anyways. <laughs> I mean, and, you know, this is, it. okay. <laughs> um i i want to super thank you for you know joining me today and uh you know listening to uh, my story um i am looking up what 
the next uh, story is going to be because, at, like always, I don't, I don't prepare <laughs> like I should. Um, ah, so next week we're going to do historical fiction called Somatic and Authentic. And I'm not really good at historical fiction. This is my first real, you know, kind of dive into it. And I did a lot of work to not uh, make it, uh, you know, steampunk or, or um, you know, science fiction or magical or fantasy or anything like that. You know, it's straight up historical fiction. I just changed a few things. Um, and, uh, you know, just kind of extrapolated what those changes would, you know, do like every other historical fiction writer does, um, you know, with alternate timelines and stuff, you know, um, it's not, it's not, a, you know, like, uh, I'm not getting into it. <laughs> You're just going to have to listen. But, um, you know, uh, I want to thank you again. Like and subscribe. It would help me out a lot. You know, visit me at nailsatglow.com uh, to, to keep up with my blog, which I uh, write nightly. Um, Sundays I only post a picture because, you know, I need at least one day off a week. And I figure, you know, everybody's lazy on Sunday. Um you know, all the links to, uh, you know, all my first drafts that glow, my abstractions that glow, my books that glow. There's other things coming with the books that glow. Um, uh, uh, imprint I'm developing as, you know, as I get money. Um, you can also find me on Mastodon, Eldritch Cafe, Nails That Glow. Um, this, this podcast, YouTube, at First Drafts That Glow. And uh, I think that's it. Is that it? I think that's it. Uh, I really, really, really love doing this. Thank you so much for joining me. And, you know, hopefully I'll see you next week. And um, 